Our reading for today is from the second book of Peter, chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. Listen now to the word of the Lord. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you guys. Um, I guess we're missing a few people today, uh, so we have a few of our mission teams out. I guess Kenya went out this past Wednesday, and uh, I guess West Virginia just left today. Um, So a lot of our people are missing, but we're grateful uh, that they could go on our behalf and bless the world. So um, let me uh, pray for us as we uh, get into our word today. Dear Father, Lord, I thank you again for this morning. We pray especially for our brothers and sisters who are serving you um, in Kenya as well as West Virginia. God, we thank you that your love is for this whole world, and God, that you invite us to be participants in sharing this love with the people around us. And so, God, we thank you for this time that now that we could go into your word, would you lead us and guide us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, I serve as the youth pastor here, and this past year, we've been having a theme on this question of who am I? And so, for those who are in youth group, what is the answer to the question, who am I? Can we, can we say a little stronger together? One, two, three. All right. So, we've been memorizing a verse. So, what's the verse that we memorized? Isaiah? Isaiah 41.10. Can we say those for those who know it? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I'll strengthen you and help you. I'll hold you with my righteous right hand. So, I don't know, some of you guys have maybe memorized TMS when you guys were in your college days. You guys may be memorizing the NIV, so if you guys know that, you guys want to quote quote it with me? Isaiah 41.10. So, do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I'll strengthen you and help you. I'll hold you with my righteous right hand. So, I think for me, one of my favorite verses of all time is Isaiah 41.10. And basically, I think the idea is it's really challenging this verse is that to fear is a command that God gives that we're not supposed to fear. So to give in to fear is actually we're falling into sin. And so and I think a lot of us face fear a lot. But the, the reason that we don't have to be afraid is that God is with us. Like that is the key. God is with us. And so actually, as we talk about our identity, we've been talking about various parts. It's actually a very big answer. So we've been talking about I am with you. I am a creature, I'm in Christ, I'm justified, I am adopted, I am a saint, I am a servant of Christ, and I am not yet perfect. So today, I guess, just for, um, for, I guess, inviting the rest of the church to kind of hear the concluding message of our series on this question, who am I? And we're going to be talking about this idea that I am loved. So um, another verse that our group has memorized, I guess, from the previous year is Romans 12.2. 
youth group, are you guys ready to try to tackle this one? Well, it's Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. All right, awesome. So, um, so again, I'll just say again, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renew of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So basically, in this passage, it kind of talks about this idea of being conformed or being transformed. So this idea of being conformed is letting your outside, right, not match the inside. So you want, because you're in the inside, you're something, but you want to look like everyone else, so you make your outside look like something else that you're really not. So for those who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are, the, we are children of God. We are transformed new beings, but we're tempted to look like everyone else. So instead of looking Christian, we start looking like everyone else in the world. And that's this idea of being conformed. The idea of transformed is allowing what's in the inside to permeate to the outside. So my outside starts looking like what's really on the inside. Right? And so we've been, the challenge for us is we're trying to be different by living out who we really are. That we are children of God. And so in our passage uh, today, in 2 Peter 1, 5-9, it's this idea of like, as God is inside of us, certain things are supposed to be permeating out of our lives. And there's like eight qualities that we kind of see. So it says, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So this verse kind of starts out for this very reason. And so when it has this, we have to go backwards and say, what is this for this very reason? So in verse 3 and 4, it kind of gives us the explanation. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine natures, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. So basically he's saying in this passage, to summarize, our goal is that God has given us everything for life and to godliness. Like our goal is to become like Christ, to have a full life. What is the source of this? How do we live this, this, this divine life? And it says he has given us his divine power. So how do you connect my life, which is like here on earth, and then God has given us his power? What's the connection between? And that's what verse 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4 explains very well, is that basically he has given it the knowledge of God, and he has given us his promises. So I guess one way to kind of look at this is that like if we are like light bulbs, right? And we are lights in this world, right? So we are this light. And then God is this eternal source. He's like the generator, right? He's, but then the way you connect this are the cables. And the cables are the promises of God, right? And so that's how we, like, we live this full power is that God has given us knowledge of him, but he's given us his wonderful promises. And then through this, in our back to our text here, it says, for this reason, make every effort to do this. Why this is very important is the order is very important here is what starts is not the action, like go and do a bunch of stuff. Here are the commands. Go, 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 go. But it says, no, the basis is what God has given us. He's given us his divine promises. He has given us his power. And because of that, now go, right? 
So everything God has called us to do is not for us to just start doing, doing, doing. That's not Christianity. It's more because of who, what God has done and all the things he's given us. Then he calls us to go, right? And so the order here is very important. But with this, he describes various qualities that we're supposed to be growing in. Faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. But in this context, the idea is keep growing. Don't ever stop. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And so here there's actually a warning, is that many of us can start the Christian life but many of us can become indifferent and start, instead of like going, going, we start slowing down and slowing down and we start becoming indifferent and instead of caring, we stop caring and we start drifting. And that's what this warning is. And so especially as I talk to the youth group is maybe you guys are excited. Yeah, you know, maybe youth, youth summer camp that we have, you guys are excited, but we can start drifting. And this passage is giving us a warning. How do you deal with when you're starting to drift? What is going on? And in, in this passage, actually, verse 9 actually gives us a very clear reason of what our problem is. So I'll read um, verse 8 and 9. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being in, in, ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So I guess I want to kind of focus a little bit more right now is just what is the problem? What stops us from keeping going on? Like, why don't we just keep growing in all these wonderful things? And he says in this passage very specifically, for whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind. I don't know if you've ever thought, are you nearsighted or blind? I guess maybe physically I am a little nearsighted. I misplaced my glasses yesterday, uh, so I have to look a little closer. Um, But... It has this idea of being nearsighted and blind. And I kind of feel like there's like a twofold blindness that we have kind of possessed. Nearsighted, I think, I guess one way maybe looking at this in nearsighted is I feel like as you're trying to look forward, you can't really look that far ahead. So all you can see is like the immediate, right? And then and I think there's this context of also maybe like looking backwards that you just completely don't see it at all. And so all you do is you're stuck in this little bubble and that's all you can see. But life is so much more than this little bubble. There's this grand future that God has for us. And as we look to the past, we see all the things that Christ has already done for us and how he has shown grace throughout our lives. And so maybe some of us are like, we're living this very nearsighted life. Right? I don't know if you ever feel like that. I feel like for myself, once having children, I feel like this nearsighted life is almost like everyday life. Like all I see is like, what do I have to do today? Like, do I have to do something for the kids? All right, I got to do this for the ministry. I got to go do that. And I just feel like I'm always being pulled in every different direction. And I just feel like I'm just treading water. I don't know. Do any of you guys feel that in your life? Do you guys feel like you're just treading water? Just because there's just, there's so much stuff going on. And so that's why many of us in our, in our viewing and looking at life, we're just, we have, we're in this little bubble. And that's what Peter is trying to invite us to say, hey, there's something so much bigger that God, you have to look into the past, but you have to also look into the future. And specifically in what God is doing, right? God is the thing that's many times the thing that we're losing out. We're just looking at my life and we're just like everything's circling around my life. This is me, right? And so, so as we kind of think about this, I feel like there's kind of a twofold problem here uh, as we kind of what causes us to be nearsighted. I think one, I guess as we've been talking for you through talking about identity, we know that we are the children of God, we're loved by God, but the world teaches us something very different. Like, what is, how does one get value? How does one 
seem to be popular and successful. And I think many times it's like the more you do, the more successful you are, the more you can accomplish, you'll have higher value. So I kind of think of like extrinsic value versus intrinsic value, right? If I had two people in, and person A was maybe making six figures or seven figures, uh, maybe teaches Sunday school, helps old ladies cross the street, and then you have this other person who's maybe mentally handicapped, um, instead of helping society, is taking like resources from society. Like, who of these two people would be more valuable? And I think in the world's eyes, it would be clearly person A, right? Because they're like contributing to society and doing all the stuff, but person B is like taking away stuff. This is like a drag to our society. But in God's eye, they're both loved by God, right? And that's why I'm saying that that's kind of like the world that we live in. We're tempted to say, I got to be like person A. I got to be more successful. I got to accomplish more. I got to do more and more and more, right? So I think that's part of it, right? There's this world teaching that you are more valuable if you could do more stuff. But I think the second thing is, I guess, is it just, the, the, is that what just the world teaches? But I think deep down, there's also just a lot of pride. Our pride really likes this concept of being successful, right? So I think fundamentally, we believe that we can live the Christian life with our own strength, right? So like, if you, when we see a command, you're like, all right, I'm going to, with all my might, I'm going to try. And just like, if I just like, got it out a little stronger, if I just have more determination, I can make this happen. And I think a lot of us fundamentally believe that. But that's not how we live the Christian walk. Basically, anything that's supernatural, it's only by the grace of God we can do any of this stuff. We and ourselves do not have the ability to do supernatural things. We can do physical things, but we cannot produce supernatural things apart from God's grace. Right? And so one thing we just have to fundamentally, do you believe that apart from God, do you believe you can do nothing? Or do you believe, like, with God, I can do all things? Right? And so, because I think many of us fundamentally, if, if I just had a better technique, if I just learned this one little trick, I can do it. But that's not true. And I think deep down, really, I would say for myself, instead of really, I want approval from God, I just want approval for myself. I just want to look at my life and go, man, look what I did this week. I feel good about myself. Like, I want to prove myself. That's what I'm more concerned about than necessarily God's approval or other people. I just want to feel good about myself. And I feel like that's the, the form of pride that many times keeps me in this nearsighted bubble. Because I just, like, I felt like I accomplished something. I felt like I did something. I feel like I didn't waste my life. But in all this, the fundamental mistake is we're leaving God out of the picture. It just, I see my life in the lens of myself, and I miss God in all this. And that's why I think Peter goes back to says, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. And what Peter is, I think, really inviting us is to invite God into, the, into our lives, into, into the different challenges and struggles that we may face in our lives. Is God a part of that? Um, and so basically we're given this option to humbly receive the grace that God gives us, to depend on him daily, to turn to him, to look to him, or to say, I can do myself. I got this. I got this. And I think when we fall into the trap, especially of the second one, it just gets tiring and more tiring and just you get exhausted and you're just like, I just got to try harder. But it just drains you and it can really, really leave us in a major rut. And so basically, I, think, I feel like I would say there's a, 
There's a disconnect between what we believe, what we state we believe, versus what we practically believe. Our stated belief is, I, my identity is that I'm one who's been loved by God. But our practical belief is, my identity and self-worth are determined by whether I'm popular, respected, and successful. So I'm asking you, are you living in what you truly believe, that God is who he says we are, or do you believe in this other idea, like, well, if I just do more stuff, people will like me. I will like myself. And that's the tension that we're facing. And again, Peter's inviting us, we need to look to God. Um, I just want to read a quote um, that I read um, from a book uh, written by Elise Fitzpatrick. It says this, um, Peter is saying that ongoing failure and sanctification, the slow process of change into Christ-likeness, is a direct result of failing to remember God's love for us in the gospel. If we lack the comfort and assurance that his love and cleansing are meant to supply, our failures will handcuff us to yesterday's sins, and we won't have faith or courage to fight against them, or the love for God that's meant to empower this war. Please don't miss the import of Peter's statement. If we fail to remember our justification, redemption, and reconciliation, we'll struggle in our sanctification. So remembering what Christ has already done in the past, his justification will empower us for today's battle. So now as we look at the solution, what are we supposed to do? So I think fundamentally I would just say we need to remember Jesus. Simply, remember Jesus. Remember God. And in this case, specifically what he has already done for us. Jesus has died on the cross. There's nothing you can do to earn more of his love. There's nothing you can do to get more blessings. God has, by his grace... He has chosen to love us, and we are his. So I'll be the first thing. I think the second I would say is remember your identity. Who am I? That I am loved. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. We are children of God. He is our Father. Romans 8, 38, 39 says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are loved. Praise the Lord. The other thing that in light of this context is, as we look, so part of it is looking to the past, remember who we are, remember what Christ has done, but the other part in this context is also looking forward, and how we look forward is claim the promises of God for your life today and for tomorrow. Again, as we read in 1 Peter 3 and 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. So I want to encourage us, have you been claiming promises of God? Have you taken God's word seriously and say, God, if this is true, I'm going to hold on to it. Sadly, for many of us, and even including myself, unless we're in such a bind, we don't cling to the promises of God. Unless we're at a place where everything else is failing, we probably will not cling on to him. But that's what he's encouraging us, that he has given us this great power and it's connected to his promises. So we need to cling on, to hold on to them. You know, some passage like Matthew 6, 33. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Right? As we seek God and think about his kingdom, then God will say, I'll take care of the other details of life. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. I guess for me, I was just kind of thinking about, like, I guess, um, I guess uh, this past week, um, I guess as some of you guys know, like, uh, I guess a few weeks ago, uh, I had kidney stones, and so I wasn't able to attend church on Sunday. Um, so I went to the emergency room, and by the grace of God, like, when I went there, you know, usually emergency rooms are pretty crowded and busy. When we first got there, there was no one there. So I got to go in immediately, instantaneously. And it's helpful, because all they can really do is give you pain meds, so that you can deal with the pain. They can't really do too much else. Um, so, um, so I would just, during that time, I would just, all I could do was kind of yell in pain. And I was so grateful for Kemi to kind of help me to go through it, but I was just like, just in pain a lot, and just, yeah, just kind of yelling a lot. <coughs> and so, <coughs> so um, but grateful uh, for, I guess, just the doctors, and I think just hearing Seeing the different doctors who are helping me, I just thought of different people in our church. They're like, oh yeah, I think of this person and that person. If I was at their hospital, they'll be checking me out right now. Um, so, um, so, so yeah, so everything overall went well. And since then, I haven't had any, any other pains and stuff. So thanks for your prayers. Um, but I guess the hardship of all that is that it just, when we get the medical bill afterwards, we're kind of like shocked. Like, man, this is expensive, you know? Like, could we have gone somewhere else, you know? But like, no, I needed the pain meds. I, gotta get, I had to go there. But, you know, we had this different expenses. And so, um, and then I think Akemi had a doctor, another doctor appointment and then different expenses. And so, in our, I guess we're trying to, trying to do a little bit of the FPU little budgeting thing. And we're like, our budget didn't quite afford the medical expenses that we had. So we we're a little bit like overwhelmed, like, hmm, how are we going to deal with this month's stuff? You know, like, how are we going to pay for this extra expense? And so I think both Akemi and I were feeling a little bit stressed out, you know. Um, so, um, but, you know, we're just praying, God, like, you know, right now we're doing a lot of ministry and, like, we're called to be generous. So we, like, cook a lot and we provide food for a lot of people. Like, we could pull back, you know, or we're donating some money to different people. Maybe we could pull back from that. But we're like, how do we, you know, do some of this stuff? Um, and so anyways, we were just praying and just didn't, we weren't really sure. Um, but I guess that one night we were kind of praying, the next day we actually, uh, I guess, I think received a check. Um, we received basically a check from a friend, and it was one of the guys I used to disciple um, at back at Berkeley, and now he's like uh, a leader at UCLA and stuff. Um, and he just he basically wrote us like double the amount that we needed to cover our medical expenses this this past week, and we're like, what the heck, you know? Like we're like we're just trying to make it just to make it for this basic minimal, but then God blessed us twice the amount that we needed, and we're like we're kind of scratching our head, like what is God? You're so good, right? And it had nothing to do with Akemi and I doing anything, you know. All we did is like, God, we're so desperate. What do we do? But God provided for us. And that's what I'm saying, like, for me, like, why did I doubt or why did I worry? I guess, it, I mean, I'm sure all of us, we, that's normal for us, right? But I do, it's true, you know. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. And I'm not going to say that every time you do it, everything's always going to work out every single time in that specific way. But that was, a, for me, a very strong reminder that God really does love his children. He loves me personally. God will take care of our family. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm, I share this story to say that all of us are probably in a tough situation. 
I don't think we're the only ones. I'm sure you guys are facing something difficult. And maybe because of that, we're just treading water and all we can see this immediate and all we see is choppy waters. And maybe you feel like you're, the boat's sinking and you're getting flooded. But that's why God's inviting, like, let me into the boat. Like, let me in, you know. Look into the past of all my faithfulness and how I'm taking care of you. And as you look forward, hold on to my promises, right? I will lead you. I will guide you. And so as we go, then we don't have to be afraid, even though we are tempted to, and though we might feel that a lot. But God is very good. And so I just want us to know that's our identity. We are beloved children of God. Yes, life is hard. And if you're going through hardships, I feel with you, it's hard, you know. I felt the physical pain of the kidney stones. I have more empathy for those who suffer in pain. Um, but also just even other hardships of life, those things are also very difficult as well. Maybe even more hard. But no matter what, God is there with us. And so I just want us to hold on to this promise, God's promise, that he's with us, he will guide us, he will help us and lead us. So um, let me just close this in prayer. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your word this morning and how, God, you were speaking to me and how, I guess, even for myself and my own struggles these days, I, I would like to be successful. And not so much for maybe the approval of others, but I just want to feel like I accomplished what I set out to do and to, for me to just, even in the midst of different challenges and uh, hardships, that to say at least, but I did this one thing. But God, even in the midst of that, God, you are inviting me to bring you into the boat, to bring you into all aspects of the life, not just parts of my life, but every aspect of my life. God, thank you that you use sometimes hardships, challenges to remind me that you are faithful, that you are good. Thank you for using the kidney stones to remind me even of physical health, that maybe I have pretty good health up to this point, uh, but I take my health for granted. And, and, but God, you've just shown grace all through these many years. And so God, you can touch that part of my life, but you do that so that you can remind me, God, I need you. And even with some of the financial challenges and hardships, many times I take that for granted too. But God, thank you that in the midst of all these different hardships, you have always shown yourself to be faithful. You have always shown yourself to be kind and gracious. And so God, you are too great for me. You are too good for me. I am unworthy. And God, in some sense, it's not fair for you that you get the short end of the stick many times. I don't worship, I don't give you thanks as much as I should give you, Lord God, and I'm sorry about that. But God, you deserve greater praise. You deserve my full trust. You deserve my whole life. And I, and I pray for myself, but also for the church, Lord God, will you help us to take one step more, Lord God, to say, God, you deserve more. Will you help me to trust you more? Will you help me to give my whole self to you? So God, I thank you for your promises. I thank you that you are good and you're calling our church forward, not to stay where we are, not to remain, not just to drift, but to go forward with you. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.